I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello everyone, happy Thursday. Today I am digging deep and getting vulnerable and answering your behind the scenes questions. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. So my rose is that we did it. We finally figured out our new coffee machine and I am thrilled. If you have been listening to the podcast, you know that we recently bought the espresso machine of my dreams and we have not been able to get the coffee to taste good because it's just like a process to dial your coffee in. If you if you're a barista, or if you've been a barista, you know the journey. Um, when you're only making like one or two coffees a day, you don't really need to go through the process that you would do at a shop to get it dialed in. So we've been doing it over the course of several days. And today I had a perfect cappuccino, and I am so happy, like overwhelmingly happy over the moon. My husband likes to say like, Sarah Jane needs a hobby. And that's the point. That's why we got it. It's just because I need somewhere to be putting my attention to something to tinker with something to play with. That's what, that's what makes me happy. And I'm, I'm thrilled. My thorn is that y'all today it's raining outside and I am so affected by the weather. Like I am so tired. I could just sleep. Like right now I could lay my head down and I swear to you, I could sleep, but that's okay. Right. We're working. We're doing it. It's not my fault. It's the weather's fault. And my bud is that, and honestly, this is a messy feeling. I even asked my husband, like, is this rude to say, are people going to misunderstand me because I'm a stepmom and we all have like mom guilt, but I think stepmom guilt is like this whole other level because you are, it's like people, it's like you're waiting for people to think that you don't love your kid um, or you don't see the kid as important or as part of you. Um, And I have such a, like a loving relationship to our kiddo that I want people to really recognize that. So I was nervous to say this, but if I'm honest, the bud is that we just realized that all of the parents are going to be fully vaccinated this year. And our kiddo is going to go to summer camp, which is exciting because he's going to get to socialize and be around other kids. Um, But also because like, I can't remember the last time that I was alone, like in our house for an extended period of time. And I honestly, I'm I'm so looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to like that silence and that peace of just being like unwatched in my home, both by my sweet darling husband, who's editing this episode. I love you, honey. And our kiddo, like um, as much as I love them and as much as I want to be around them, I also need that space. And I haven't had it in so, so long. So I'm really looking forward to that. All right, y'all. We're diving straight into this episode. You asked some pretty deep questions. Like we're going to start off with like a pretty intense one. And I'm just going to read them off of my phone and we're going to jump right in. Okay. I think um, I'll probably get to around six or seven if you like a little heads up as to what to expect. So the first question and told you guys asked some deep ones. What keeps you up at night? Okay. So honestly, for me, it's anxiety. Like I have, yeah, I have anxiety. I don't really have the kind of anxiety where I worry about the future as much as I feel like I'm always behind. Like I could always be doing more or that I'm letting, I'm dropping the ball somewhere, or maybe I'm failing at something. Um, 
or I'll have the anxiety of like, there's tasks that need to be done and I'm not going to do them at midnight, but my brain loves to think about them at midnight. As soon as I lay down, I honestly have like this window of sleeping. Like I need to lay down and fall asleep within about 10 to 15 minutes, because if I don't, my brain flips. And all of a sudden I'm thinking about everything that I need to do. All of the people who probably need responses from me, um, ways in which I'm probably like not living up to my own expectations. So it just goes into like just stress, 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 stress. And it just is so intense. So that's what keeps me up at night. The next question is, does knowing your friend's Enneagram type affect your interactions with them? Yeah. I mean, I would say a hundred percent. I, I really like to customize the way I engage with people based off of understanding them. So I, you know, I have friends who are type nines and I try to involve them in conversation more than I do my other friends. I make sure that their jokes get heard. Um, I ask them pointed questions. I try my best to wait for them to finish speaking and to count to three before I start talking so that they know I really heard and I'm not losing patience with their voice because I, I really care. Um, and then I have other friends, you know, like my four friends who help me, like, I know I can go to them with the harder parts of my personality because it doesn't bug them if I'm sad. Um, so I kind of lean on my four friends probably more than anyone else because I need that self-acceptance in that way. Um, you know, if I have a three friend, I know that it's important for them to get to talk to me about where they feel like they're falling short, that they can share with me the parts of themselves that they're scared to show the public. That's really important. So I need to be really non-judgmental, and I need to make sure that they know that I'm not deciding if they're qualified or worthy based off of the things they're sharing with me, but instead I'm just a witness and I'm letting them have their experience without judgment so that they don't feel like they have to hide the failings in their life from me. So yeah, I definitely customize how I engage with people based off of their number. Next is, do you have team that works with you? Yes, I do have a team that works with me. I'm going to try and really remember everybody because I have both, you know, personal individuals who work with me, but I also have um, people who work with me who are not um, necessarily like individuals who like work for my company full time. Right. So the first person is my husband and he edits the podcast. So I podcast five days a week now. So he edits all of those. He also used to run the merch store exclusively. And since the podcast is so intense, we've kind of phased him out of having to do that, but he still is um, part of that process. He's a big part of that. Um, the second person is my assistant, Jenny. She does a ton. She kind of fills in all the gaps. So she edits my YouTube videos. She does our customer service. And then she's kind of the person who is the extension of me. If I can't do it, I ask her to do it. Um, and she does a lot of graphics for me. We'll post on Instagram for me, that kind of thing. And then we have Gravy, which is a company that recovers failed payments for me. So I have a membership community. And so if, if someone's payment fails, they kind of do the act, follow up with that and make sure people are paying and all of that good stuff. Then I have Ben, I use Bench for accounting and they do all, or not accounting, they use them for bookkeeping. They do all of my bookkeeping. 
And then I use Amy Northard. Hello, Amy. She's working for me right now to do my taxes. So she's my accountant. She files my taxes every year. I work with the team at Cloud 10. Um, I'm part of their podcasting network. So they do a lot of acquisition of podcast ads for me and help me to kind of get my podcast to new audiences. Thank you guys at Cloud 10. And I think that's everyone. Yeah, that's everybody. Okay, so the next piece, next question is, do you feel trapped in isolation at home? So if you have been listening to the podcast, you know this. We have been deeply quarantined for a little over a year. I am high risk with COVID. And so we've been very, 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 very careful. And we also just don't want to like spread it to other people. So been very isolated. I haven't seen a friend or family member and forever. Do I feel trapped in isolation at home? I'm going to be honest. I don't. And I think that surprised me. I thought that I would. I don't really miss anything that we were doing before. I miss about three or four friends that I really appreciate and miss seeing on a regular basis. I miss going to movies at the theater every once in a while, like maybe two a year, even like, I don't, I don't miss it that much, but I miss the option. And then I miss traveling. Of course, I miss having that opportunity to travel, but that's really about it. I don't, I really enjoy our life. We've made the most of the last year. And in a lot of ways, we're pretty lucky in the sense that I, we both work for my company. And so a lot of the chaos hasn't occurred. Like it was a tighter year for us financially to be transparent. Like it was a pretty hard year that way. But at the same time, like our expenses lowered so much, like we weren't going out for coffee every day. We couldn't have a gym membership. You know, there's things that we were paying for before that we don't pay for anymore. I wasn't traveling. I used to travel three to four two to three, sometimes four times a month, like that's expensive and it adds up and it was a big part of my job and I loved it. But at the same time, like it evened us out financially a little bit, like our money was tighter, but our expenses were way lower. That makes sense. So in a way, no, I don't really feel trapped at home. I enjoy our life. I I have to have hobbies. I'm an extrovert. So I do kind of get, um, little hints of sadness and darkness that I have to first I'm learning to honor, but also I, I realize like I need to ask for extrovert time with my husband. Who's an introvert. I have to be like, I need a little bit of time together to like play or to do something silly or fun because I, I can't always generate that for myself as much as I would like to. And it does help me a a lot. So that's my complex answer to that question. The next question is, do you feel like you're the only one taking COVID seriously? Yeah, I do. Honestly, I I know that I'm not because I have so many amazing followers who DM me or text me on our phone line and talk to me about it or tell me they're feeling the same way that I'm feeling. But the truth is like most people aren't taking it as seriously as I'm taking it. And it is hard to watch. It's honestly like I have two Instagram accounts. I have the Sarah Jane Case account and then I have I am Sarah Jane Case, which is my more personal account. I'm not really on my personal account anymore because I follow, I don't follow anyone from Sarah Jane Case. I follow everyone from my personal account, but my anxiety around COVID is so intense that I can't really follow people because 
not very many people are being as careful as we are. And it's hard for me to watch people just like go out to brunch or hang out with friends. And it's so many people that it's not even like I can be like mad at them because it's almost everybody else. It's been really, really trying, honestly. So I'm excited about getting fully vaccinated and being like free of that, I think in a lot of ways, but yeah, it's pretty hard. It's hard to watch people like travel and like do all these things like unnecessarily. Like obviously some people have to go to work and that's not their choice. It's not their fault. And I, I'm not, I'm not really here to, to decide if you're a good person or not, but I, I have a really hard time when people are traveling just for fun right now, because I said in the beginning of, of COVID, I was like, it's not going to be people who are like full on anti-maskers or like who don't want to take this seriously, who don't even believe in it. I'm, that's not who I'm worried about. I'm worried about the people who think that they're being careful, but they're actually not being careful at all. And that is in my opinion, what has prolonged our experience with COVID is like people who are just kind of like, yeah, but like I, when I go to brunch, it doesn't count. But when other people go to brunch, then I'll have judgment or like our government not taking it super seriously. Obviously, like a lot of countries, like in Korea, like if you travel there or New Zealand, you travel there, you have to quarantine for two weeks before you can leave. And New Zealand's completely eradicated the virus. Like that's crazy. I, I'm full support of that. And I know for a lot of people like freedom, letting your freedom go is a really big deal. But for me, I'm like, I'm all about looking out for each other, for the common good, sacrificing so that other people can live. It just feels like a no brainer to me. So yeah, that's a long answer to a short question, but that's how I feel. The next question is how do you battle imposter syndrome and feelings of inadequacy? I think the first, my first piece of that is just to say, like, I definitely do battle those things. So I like that they asked the question, not do you ever deal with this, but how do you handle it? Because I think we all deal with that to some degree and about probably different topics, but we're, we're all dealing with it. My way that I deal with it is I look at where people started instead of where they are now, right? So if I'm comparing my beginning to someone else's end result, then it's not really a fair comparison. So I want to know where do they start? So I'll listen to people's first podcast that they ever put out, or I'll watch someone's first YouTube video that they ever created. And it puts into perspective, like where people begin and where they end so that I don't feel weird about starting things. If I get a bad review on my podcast, I will go look at people whose podcasts I love and read their bad reviews because when it's someone else, it looks so silly because it's like, well, I enjoy this. So why are you complaining about it? But when it's yourself, it's so easy to take it personally and to feel like maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe you're doing a bad job. Maybe you're not worthy of this thing, but really it's just like, sometimes you're for people. Sometimes you're not for people and that's okay. And yeah, so that's kind of how I deal with it. I look at people's beginnings. I look at the people I love at their worst reviews. And I take that into consideration and I try to inform myself as much as possible. If I feel like the other two ways I avoid imposter syndrome are first, I make sure I'm educating myself. If I'm starting to feel like I'm not informed about a topic that I want to talk about, I will do research 
like crazy and I will get informed. If I'm starting to feel nervous, let's say I'm talk, you know, I'm scared to talk about the Enneagram for a minute, or I'm feeling like, do I really know the Enneagram as well as I think I do? Well, I'll take a workshop. I'll take an additional workshop. The more I learn, the more informed I feel and the more capable I feel like that's pretty simple math. The other thing that I do is I try to be as vulnerable as possible. I do things like this where I share from the behind the scenes. I am very cool with saying I don't know the answer to that or this is what I think, but I'm not an expert on this situation or here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's my theory on this. You know, I I don't feel this pressure to be fully the expert at everything that I want to share about. I feel comfortable saying here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's where I could learn a little bit more because you can only be an imposter if you're pretending to know everything. And so if I'm comfortable saying I know what I know and I know don't know what I don't know, then I'm never really impostering. <laughs> there's no faking happening. So if I'm 100% vulnerable, then there's not really anything I'm hiding that can be found out, right? And I think a lot of times imposter syndrome occurs because we think we're going to get found out. And if there's nothing to find, well, there's not a lot to to fear. Okay, so I'm switching from Instagram over to texts um, that have come in that are behind the scenes texts. So the next question is, how did you decide to start your business? Um, So honestly, Enneagram and Coffee started out of my overflow of interest in the Enneagram. I was annoying my friends and family. And my friend Tyler, who has been on the podcast before, was like, can you get an outlet already? And so I started Instagram and um, or started in, in the Instagram and it grew really quickly. And it became obvious that like the the interests aligned. What I was creating was filling a need and people were interested. And so I kept going and eventually I felt like Instagram couldn't cover everything. So I started the podcast so I could go deeper. And, you know, we have so many different weird iterations of this. We have a YouTube channel. I have Brave Collective, which is my online community helping you with work-life balance. You know, I have Enneagram and Relationships, my online course. We do the summit every year. All of these different pieces all kind of come together and just kind of flowed naturally. I'm, I'm kind of an intuitive person, so I listen to what feels good. I follow my interests, and I um, see what I can really make happen from that. But yeah, that was the that's how we started. The next question is, what are some of your values? Um, so for me, values are... We're human first, uh, work person second. So um, I honor my humanity in my work life and I expect my employees to do the same. So I don't expect anyone to be perfect. I expect them to be human and I do that of myself. The next thing, you know, the next value is just be kind, but honest. I want to be as honest as possible. So no one ever has to guess where I stand but I also want to do it in a kind way so that it's not causing harm, but I'm not, I'm being true to myself and I'm being true to them by being honest and everyone deserves a place at the table. I want every voice to be heard, all different skin tones and experiences and genders and gender, gender identities. Everyone belongs and everyone deserves love. And those are, that. that's the top three, I would say. 
Someone said, what exactly do you do? Like, what is your business? Um, So good question. So I have lots of different ways in which we generate income. We have the merch store, which includes mugs. And then we do launches with Bonfire, which is a merch company for shirts. And then we have the podcast, which we do ads for. We do some sponsored posts on Instagram, not a ton, but some. And we have the Brave Collective, which is my monthly membership community where we talk about work-life balance, talked about that. And then I launched Enneagram and Relationships. I haven't launched it again, but that was a large source of income for me. And then we do the Enneagram Summit every year, which is kind of my biggest thing of the year. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, but is 100% worth it. Um, in my opinion, I also do speaking engagements. So I do corporate trainings or I do team trainings, team building things and talk to colleges sometimes, things like that about the Enneagram. That's mainly it. Yeah. Those are, that's the main gist of things. Oh, I also have my Enneagram typing workshop, which is just $29. If you are like at your, you're like, think you might be two or three different types and you need to narrow it down. It walks you through the process of really understanding why you might be one type or not the other one, kind of what comparing and contrasting to self-type. Oh, someone asked, why did you choose Asheville as where you will live? So I actually grew up in Asheville. So if you don't know, we live in Asheville, North Carolina. Hello, everyone from, from North Carolina. Um, I actually grew up here. I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school here. I moved a little bit in my younger years back and forth between here and Florida, but for the most part, I grew up here. And then I traveled the 50 states. So I did a road trip in my car for and couchsurfed using the website, website couchsurfing.org for about a year and saw the 48 continental states. And on that trip was like thinking about where do I want to live next? I loved California. I loved Oregon. I loved Vermont. And then I also love North Carolina. So um, my family's here. So I thought it might be nice to, to come back to North Carolina, which I'm glad that I did because I met Obi, my husband here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an awesome place to live. There's this like small town feeling, but there's a lot of stuff to do. It has a lot of good food, a lot of good entertainment. There's not a lot of jobs here, honestly, but since I work for myself, that doesn't necessarily matter too much. And I like North Carolina because there's mountains and the ocean. So that's a, that's a nice win. What is your big goal? Honestly, for me, if I could write books forever, that's what I would do. I have so many different book ideas, things I want to write, and I could write for the rest of my life and and not tire of it. So I would love for the podcast to be a large part of my business, one of the primary parts of my business, and then for books to be the other part, Um, and then Brave Collective. Those are the things that like really... I feel really deeply connected to, but I also, I mean, it's hard for me. If you're a fellow seven, you understand, like my big goal is to just be writing a book like every year. If I could, I would. My seven in me is like, yeah, but I also really, I like speaking at corporations. I love bringing the Enneagram into the work environment. I love YouTube. Like, so I don't want to pick, but I would say, if the podcast and writing books could be like a majority of what I do, 
I wouldn't hate it. Someone asked, do you volunteer or donate to any organizations and to who? Yeah. So I donate pretty yearly to certain organizations. I donate regularly to Black Lives Matter, to people of color individually, I think is a really important thing. I also support, there's a eating disorder center in our town that I support financially. Dogwood Alliance is somewhere that I I like to support. A big Planned Parenthood supporter. And I really like to volunteer. Obviously, like I'm not volunteering right now because of COVID, but that's been a big thing on our family's list of like, once it's safe, we really want to be regularly volunteering because I think it makes us better people, honestly, just to like not be in our own little bubble focused on ourselves and our needs all the time, but to instead really be aware and face-to-face with the struggles of others and to um, do our part to meet those needs. If I believe that we belong to each other, then I want to do my, my part to participate in that work. I think that's the main places. I have a pretty intensive like task list that I do every month specifically to work toward racial justice. So that's a, that's an issue that's really important to me. And so I will, I have like, I do certain things every month. I like make sure that I'm um, following people who look differently than me. I'm donating money. I'm signing petitions. I'm platforming people. That stuff feels really important. Another organization that I really care about is Campaign for Southern Equality. And then friends of mine run Pride Link in South Carolina, which is specifically focused on trans youth having a place to go, kind of like a community center for people who don't have anyone to care for them or a place to feel taken care of or supported. So all of those are organizations that I think are really important and I support when I can. Okay, let's end on this one because I think it's a good one for our last one. If you had one piece of advice to someone just starting out, what would it be? And that is to think about the life you want to live, not the things you want to do. So instead of thinking, I want to be the kind of person who writes a book or I want to make a million dollars, instead think, what kind of life do I want to live? And then how can I get to that life? What needs to happen in order for me to live that life? So instead of me saying like my big goal is to write books every year, maybe the, maybe a better answer is I want to work four hours a day. I want to have like long lunch breaks. I want to feel like I'm socializing, but I have time with my family and I have time for myself you know, I'm making this stuff up. This, I don't know that these are necessarily my objectives, but like, I want to have a three-day work week, whatever your dream is, design your business to match the life you want, not design your life to get the business that you want. That makes sense. Because at the end of the day, like you can do anything, you can achieve anything, you can have as much success as you like imagine for yourself. But if you're not happy, what's the point? You know, we get this like one precious little life. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to kill myself trying to get to a point where I'm allowed to enjoy it. Why not just allow it the enjoyment now? Yeah. So that's what I would say. Um, as always, I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you want me to do this again, let me know on Instagram. I'm happy to do it as many times as you want me to do it, but hopefully you enjoyed it and maybe 
got to know me a little bit, got to know a little bit about the business. Maybe it helped inspire you in some way. I don't know. Thank you guys for joining me. And as always, I love creating this content for you. I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.